imagine there are companies out there that, that consider customer experience to be customer complaints. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. So again, it's it's callous. There's no thought behind it. It's just, ah, you've had a bit of a crappy experience. Say la vie. That's, that's not the way to treat your customers. When you've worked with businesses like this, I mean, I, I don't expect you to mention any specific companies, obviously, but what are the the biggest mistakes you see people making in their customer experience? Honestly, no. Obviously, nobody sets out to deliver a bad customer experience. It, apart apart from Virgin will, Media. Yeah, apart from them, yeah. <laughs> in this episode of The Engaging Marketeer, I am speaking with Katie Stabler of Cultivate Customer Experience. So Katie is a CX expert, and if you're not sure what CX is, it's customer experience. I kind of just said that. Um, so I'm going to be talking to Katie about how businesses can improve their customer experience and create a plan to get better customer experience, which is, of course, important to retain customers for longer and get them to spend more with you. Because if you're doing it right, you're going to make more money. If you're doing it wrong, you're going to lose customers and you're going to lose business. So it's kind of important. Let's talk to Katie and see what she does. Customer experience. Mm -hmm. What exactly is that and, and why is it so important for businesses to know about? Oh, that's a massive question. What is... I know. I thought I'd open up with a simple one. <laughs> what is customer experience? Well, so I think customer experience is a little bit like the old saying, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. So customer experience means different things for different people and different companies. But what we can all agree on is that we are all customers and we all have a expectation of what we expect from the organizations that we interact with. And it is how an organization deliberately designs and delivers the experience to their customers through every single touch point, every single interaction, right from the very second that that customer first ever hears about the company to the point where for whatever reason they stop engaging with that company it's everything it's the lifetime of experience with that company and so few organizations deliberately practice good customer experience for a lot of them it just happens by accident and they try mm. to rely on a bit of a hope and a prayer i was i was going to ask that actually because uh... I've spoken to a lot of businesses over the years um, from a marketing point of view and as a, as a client and customer, and I couldn't really think of too many that have actually thought about their customer experience and, and, and what they're going to do. So how many do you think actually put this in a plan and have a strategy for this? So it's it's growing, definitely. Over the last decade, the insurgence of customer experience professionals has just been huge but despite that what's really sad for my profession is that every year there's you know the, the big global data that comes out there's the american um, customer satisfaction index the uk customer satisfaction index and this year they all tell the same story that we are at a 17 year all-time low in customer satisfaction so in answer to your question how many companies actually practice it deliberately explicitly it's not to say that they don't but if 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 a lot of companies are there, there's something not working there's something not right and quite honestly what you still find is despite 
again, the growth in CX as a conversation, as a topic, as a profession, companies still massively under-resource it. So it's mm. either you often find marketing and customer experience are, are in the same pot. If you're a marketer, you get handed customer experience. Maybe if you're working quality assurance, you have customer experience on the side. If you're an operations lead, do a little bit of customer experience as well. It very often isn't a dedicated role in an organization with enough resource and enough time in the C-suite. Hmm. And I imagine there are companies out there that, that consider customer experience to be customer complaints. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And don't get me wrong, you know, that's a fantastic piece of insight. It's a great way to to support your understanding of customer experience. But, oh, my gosh, if you're if you're focusing on customer complaints, you've done something very wrong with your customer experience. Mm. That shouldn't that shouldn't be where it starts. Should be where you're preventing it, ideally. Yeah. So how important is it? I mean, I've heard of UX is, is a big thing in our industry, you know, user experience and, and how somebody works through a website or works through an application or works through uh, a shop. And it's mm-hmm. important to make it nice and easy and simple for them. But CX isn't something I hear a lot. Mm-hmm. So how important is it for a business to, to actually consider that? What are the financial ramifications? Ah, well, that's a great question. And when you're talking about UX, you know, UX is part and parcel of customer experience, especially, you know, now in the fact that we are in such a significantly digital age, you know, UX, you just don't, there's very few companies that don't have a digital experience and therefore UX is important. But CX is the, it's the wider piece. It's, it's, it's the umbrella that it all sits in. So people will often talk about customer service and they will think that's customer experience. Well, customer service is just one element of customer experience, a very important element, but just one element customer success so selling another important piece but customer experience is the overarching understanding of what your customers expect what they feel what they want and your ability to operate on all of those levels and if you are able to tick all of those boxes you know you know your customer incredibly well you know their expectations you know the things that cause them frustration and the things that cause them joy and you're able to maximize all of that from a return on an investment perspective, so the financial implications, you should be able to see huge cost savings in efficiencies because all of the things that go wrong in your customer experience that you are firefighting and having to spend time, resource, money to fix, you should be able to eliminate proactively because you you know what's going wrong so you can fix it and stop it going wrong you can prevent complaints mm. you can maximize customer satisfaction so absolutely tenfold increase you know your customer retention and see your customer lifetime value and customer wallet growth um wallet share grow mm. so the the ability to demonstrate a return on investment on customer experience is often one of the biggest problems that a CX department faces because there's a degree of uh, causation, um, sorry, correlation over causation. You know, you can't necessarily 100% uh, associate a returning customer because of a good customer experience, and there could be many other factors. But it's unequivocal that the better the customer experience, the more efficient, the more process optimized, and the more uh, profitable your business will be. Mm. And 
I see um, stats bandied around that change every now and then along the lines of it's it's five times or six times more uh, expensive to recruit a new customer than it is to retain an existing customer. So from that basis alone, good customer experience saves you money. But why why do certain companies, and I think we all know who they are, certain companies, particularly telecom uh, and TV, um, only seem to care about new customers. They don't seem to care about ex- existing customers. Almost like it's really obvious what they're doing. Why is that? It's it's frustrating, right, isn't it? I mean, yeah, you, you see those examples where you're a, a brand new customer, you get this fantastic fandangly offer, very enticing, yet you've been a customer for 10 years with this company and you don't get half as good a deal. That happens all the time. Why? Um, I would say because they don't have a good customer experience lead is <laughs> why, quite honestly. Uh, no, the mind boggles. I mean, companies that make it hard to stay as a customer, there's something significantly wrong in their customer experience strategy. And, uh, you know, cust- uh, companies have to make money, of course. You know, we're, we're not in business for completely altruistic reasons. So it's not like you can say a good customer experience means giving 50% discounts every year. That's, you know, that's not what it's about. But it is about making your customers feel valued and feel that they are getting good value for their money. There's lots of different ways you can do that. But recognition of loyalty is a massive one. Mm -hmm. And those companies that don't do it, I mean, I think you can only imagine that over the next few years, they will need to change that strategy. But because there's always competition, there's always growth and they can't continue to to act in that way. But why they do it, I couldn't tell you. Well, it, it seems to me that in certain industries, they're all doing it. I mean, I'll name them, you know, Sky and Virgin Media, uh, obvious ones. They don't seem to care that they're alienating existing customers in exchange for new customers because they know the options of where you go are quite limited. You're going to leave Virgin Media and you're going to go to Sky. And then Sky's going to do it to you and you're going to leave. And, well, there's only really Virgin Media, unless you get a now TV box, which limits what you can actually have. It's Mm. almost as if they've got this monopoly within the industry where they think, you know, sod it. We can treat our customers like crap. They're going to go there. They're going to get treated like crap. Then they're going to come back to us. So, you know, who cares? And that attitude really makes me sick, quite frankly, that they get away with it. It's it's super frustrating, isn't it? And I call those captive customers. So when you're as a customer, when you're in a position where, as you say, maybe there is limited choice, then you might stay with a company for reasons other than actually wanting to stay with that company. But customers always end up having choice. You're not captive for long. So as you say, there's a bit of a um, monopoly in those services. That doesn't mean to say that that monopoly is going to exist forever you know what happens when the new prime or the new netflix comes along these things happen and customers were fickle beings you know there there, there is a um number of people who you know have real loyalty and strength and will put up with a lot but the, the statistics normally say that it just takes two bad customer experiences to jump ship so it again, it's your version of what a bad customer experience is. But if you're not mm. feeling like you're a valued customer, I would say that's pretty high up there in a, a bad customer experience. That's interesting. Two bad customer experiences and a, and a customer will jump ship. 
Yeah. If, if you're loyal to a company, typically you'll put up with one. But the second, second times it happens, it's a little bit like that old adage, fool me once, shame on me, fool me twice, shame on you. Oh, mm. other way around. Other way around. <laughs> yeah, other way around. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. What, what, what we were both talking about then, it reminded me of um, my parents, and typically an older generation, and they're the ones that really get shafted because they're the ones that respect loyalty. They, they're loyal to the company they've always used, and car insurance was a big one for that. It's like, you know, I've been with Admiral. I've been with Admiral for 15 years. I always pay the renewal on Admiral because they've looked after me. They've never done anything wrong. Yet if they ever looked at what the actual renewal was compared to what everybody else is doing, they'll know that the customers who just renew without looking at it, they're the ones that are subsidizing all people that are getting the good deals. And they think they're being loyal, but they're being shown no loyalty whatsoever to the customer, to the, the businesses that are actually doing it in the first place. That yeah. frustrates the hell out of me as well. Um, you make a really good point. So I think the demographic of customer is it's changing hugely. The, the older demographic definitely have more loyalty. You give car uh, insurance as an example. Banks are another great example of that. You know, people just stay with the bank forever. And actually, when you look around at some of the newer banks and the like, you know, one percent interest on every transaction that you can get from just using your bank every day, it, it again, it makes you question why more customers don't not disregard the loyalty, but don't consider moving away. But actually the newer demographic are younger, the Gen Zs and all of those, they are a different breed of consumer. You know, they they value not just pace. So of course, you know, we're an Amazon led shopper these days. Mm. We like everything right now, <laughs> next day. Um, but actually the new demographic of customer appreciates things which we haven't really massively considered as businesses before, like, you know, ethics, uh, the kind of not-for-profits that companies support, the, the values that they stand for. There's a massive insurgence in shopping local now and actually using smaller brands, you know, the growth of Etsy and, you know, small businesses. So the, the the way in which we want to experience customer experience is changing and the, the bigger companies are, are pretty good at what they're able to offer but the smaller companies are able to make it really personalized and there's a real magic in what smaller companies can do the sadness is when those small companies start to become more popular and with growth they lose all of the things that the initial customers went to them for in the first place yeah, as as you grow as a business, you experience problems with scaling as you bring in more team members to do what it is that you're doing and the, the passion and the drive that you had for your business isn't there with other people. So it's wow. not the same experience. It's not the same love for it. And yeah, you, you can have a dip in quality as you grow, which is which is frustrating. It's frustrating. Where where do you think are the the best tips that you can give for a company to have good customer experience? So the first thing is insight. So many companies might ask for some feedback, you know, get a survey. There are 101 touch points across your company, whether you're big or small, in ways you can get insight, whether that's through, you know, social media listening, you mentioned it before, complaints, just interaction with your website, you know, there's data point after data point after data point, which tells you the behavior of our customers. Most companies are pretty good at collecting that data. 
very, very few are good at using it. Mm. So I think that the, the biggest tip and I would have most consistently to the customers and clients that I support is use that data, collect it, analyze it, understand what it is telling you, and then crucially, of course, act on it. So once you've got this data and understanding, help help your business um, specifically pinpoint your business change. You know, if you've got a strategy to focus on point A over the next six months, but actually you know that point B is going to influence your customer experience in a much more significant way, focus on point B. You don't waste your money on point A. So collect insight and use it. Hmm. Another thing, I'm really, really passionate about customer journey mapping. So this is the methodology of walking through your customer experience with your customer shoes on, your customer hat on, being the customer and truly understanding how that makes your customer feel. So every single interaction, really granular, every button they have to click, every letter they have to read, every phone call they have to make, every agent they have to speak to, what do they want from that interaction? What do they get from that interaction? How does that make them feel? And for some companies that might sound a little bit fluffy, you know, expectations, feelings, but actually that is so crucial because if your customers are feeling frustrated that the process is complex, that they're underwhelmed, that they're disappointed, then those customers are not gonna come back next time. You know, if your customers are having a seamless experience they're satisfied, they have success, and you're giving them some sentiment, making them emotionally connected to your business, they are going to come back. But you don't know how your customer's feeling unless they tell you through feedback. But if you do customer journey mapping, you do know how your customer's feeling because you're experiencing it yourself. And then again, you're able to use that insight to hopefully drive change. Hmm. So there's a lot of crossover here between customer experience and user experience, isn't there? Because um, when we when we look at a new client, for example, we'll we'll look at their website and how it's meant to work. And quite often there are some fundamental issues with the website that you think, why why have they done that? Clearly they've not looked at that. That cannot be working. Yes. There was one I looked at yesterday where it, it was a carpet cleaner, and in order to book a clean you would click the contact button at the top and the contact button would take you to the contact page. But the actual website looked exactly the same on the contact page as the home page. So it looked like nothing had happened. So you click contact, you think, what's going on? And then you scroll right down to the bottom and there's a form right at the bottom. Oh, there it is. That's how I contact you. They've made it really difficult for a customer to get in touch, which is going to cost them business. It's going to cost them sales. And it's going to make the customer think, how hard is this to get in touch with this guy? And I haven't even hired him yet. Yeah. But, but yeah. people do that. It's mind-blowing though, isn't it? And, you know, you and I and UX designers and other practitioners, you know, we can look at this and exactly like you have, just think the simplicity of this change hmm. for what it would actually do to the experience. But that's a great example of just an in... Um, no real intent and thought behind the design or not enough and certainly where has the experience been prior to the release of that happening you know have we tested it surely not who's tested it if we have tested it um councils are notorious for this if you go on a council website 
trying to find a telephone number that's not through bad design that's well it is through bad design it's through bad experience it's not bad website design it's bad experience design they don't mm. want you to pick up the call either no, it's to- deliberate isn't it exactly but how frustrating is that as a customer there's only so much you can do via self-serve an email a live chat if you don't offer your customers the channels to contact that they want again you're it's a big in cx but yeah web, websites are sometimes a very very clear and obvious uh, sign of not practicing intentful customer experience mm. i think the main problem with websites is there's so many people building them that don't know how to build a website or technically know how to build a website but have no idea how to market a website that's going to be successful so they have the skills to do it but they don't understand why they're doing it or what it's for and it's infuriating because a lot of businesses end up with websites that just don't work just don't get them business no and and there's a bias as well isn't there so you know we we work for companies hopefully you've got passionate employees who care we build something that we're very proud of that we like, that fits in with what we want, but is that what your customer wants? You know, we are very, very biased. And again, it comes back to that insight, but so many companies start by falling in love with the solution and not the problem. And if actually we, you know, we just flipped that around and truly, again, this is incredibly important for marketing, but, you know, truly understand our customers, their personas, the demographic, then we should be able to jump over a lot of the hurdles we face with the likes of bad website design. And I say bad in a very loose term, Hmm. but yeah, we we're we're inward facing We're biased creatures. We do what we like. We don't necessarily think about what is the best thing for the customer. I I hear that so often about, you know, I I don't like the way that looks. I don't like the way that is. I don't like the color of that. It's like, well, it's not for you. It's Mm -hmm. for your target market. It's for your client. I, I had one guy that wanted a website to be um, a particular shade of blue because he was an Everton fan. <laughs> and it didn't relate to the market he was in at all. He just wanted it blue because he was an Everton fan. And it, it's just ridiculous things that people say like that. One person saying, I don't want to use Facebook at all for my marketing because I don't like it. It's like, well, again, you're in flooring, you're in carpets. Your customers are on Facebook. Whether you like it or not, that's where they are. If you're going to shut that off because you don't like the look of it, you don't like the way it is, you're basically closing the door on a load of customers who could get in touch with you. And it, It's just ridiculous decisions that they've just thought about themselves inwardly, as you say, and not thought outwardly about who am I actually marketing to? Who am I target market? This happens all the time when businesses are making decisions, though. It, it does. And, and again, and I'll, I'll bang on about it, continuously but this again comes in to the the whole collection and use of insights um, I, I worked with the housing association not so long ago who wanted to operate a new more cost effective communication channel and they went straight in with whatsapp which on the face of it great you know technically it did what it needed to do reasonably easy accessible it was a cost effective solution for them or at least it would have been if it had worked. It didn't work because this particular housing association's main demographic was an aged population. 
who did not use WhatsApp and did not like using WhatsApp. So instead of making it easier, it actually drove contact volume calls into the service desk because nobody wanted to use that channel. So what on paper looked very cost effective ended up being very costly and it could have been avoided should they have just listened to their customers and found a better way mm. but there's actually there's a really great example of this where um disney it's it's kind of like cult, cult example in the world of cx but disney you know the, the parks they're full of fast food places to eat all your hot dogs and lovely naughty food they um kind of did the opposite they asked their customers you know would you like healthy options at the parks customers went yeah yeah we would we'd love a salad you know walking around hot day don't want to be full of junk food let's get some salads in disney started to offer healthy food nobody bought it because when actually people go to theme parks they don't want to eat a salad they want a hot dog and a pretzel and a popcorn so it's kind of the opposite they listened but they didn't listen well enough and actually rather than just listening to customer voice, if they'd have actually looked at the inside, the action, the behavior of the customers, mm. they could have saved a lot of money as well. So it's not easy. Uh, it's not something that you take at face value, but this is exactly why you need skilled professionals who are disciplined in the, the practice of customer experience to help you to understand the data and to, to truly know what it's telling you. Mm. Well, that, that seems like a good segue into, into this then. So that's what you do, obviously. Yes. So how would you approach working with a, a business, a customer that wants your help? What's, what are the first steps you would take? So it's always very bespoke. It typically starts with a maturity assessment. So a little bit of a touch point as to where that company is on their journey to customer centricity. Uh, as I say, some, some people... It might be you know the first engagement with customer experience. They might be you know dabbling, practicing themselves, but it might be the first time that they've actually put resource into this. Other companies may be a little bit further down the line. Um, like I mentioned earlier, a lot of companies are really great at collecting insight, but the point in which they stop being so great is utilizing it. So typically, it's a little bit of a maturity assessment. Where are you on your journey? What do you need? always 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 it comes down to looking at the initial insight so a bit of a data gathering exercise what have you got at the moment what's it telling you what are you doing with it and that's normally a very good starting point to help companies understand where their gaps are what they're good at what they need to be focusing on and sometimes also companies are pretty good at knowing what their problem is but just not knowing how to get over it so it's a bit of a three-pronged approach maturity where are you insight what are you doing with it and problem areas what do you know of and maybe what don't you hmm. so once you've established that um what kind of actions can you get a company take to take to improve their their customer experience so all different kinds of consultancy, and it really is, the scope is vast. But one of the most common things that tends to happen is there is no robust approach to, as I said before, the insight collection and use. Mm -hmm. So one of the most common actions that companies take when working with my consultancy is to implement a more robust process. So whether or not that's utilizing a, 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 um, a customer voice of the customer tool. So bringing in some, some new uh, technology to support them to collect and analyze that data and then use it. 
part of that is also actually building the resource around it. So again, depending on my engagement, I can do that for them or I'm supporting a company to put that process in place and the process needs people. So sometimes it can be around upskilling and training people to be able to analyze and use the data. Uh, also, a, a really big thing is the strategy piece. So most companies, you know, have operational strategies. They they know what they're doing with their business. They, they know the tools, the people, the process that they have to have in place to do all of this. Quite often, if you don't have a CX capacity, it's how does the company then put that into their business and where does it fit and how does it infiltrate the rest? So a, an often a, a big piece is to help a company to once they have a CX resource, whatever that looks like, you know, a full timer or somebody who's taking on that additional action, how does that then tie in with the rest of the business? So it's often around building a customer experience strategy that attaches itself to the operational strategy, that attaches itself to the finance strategy. And it helps the business to understand very clearly how it all ties in and why that's important. So it can be absolutely anything from that strategic level uh, to the tools and technology implementation, right down to basic training. It can just be as simple as sitting with frontline staff and training them on the basics of customer experience from communication to all of the much sexier fun stuff around proactive wow moments. Mm. And when you've worked with businesses like this, I mean, I don't expect you to mention any specific companies, obviously, but what are the the biggest mistakes you see people making in their customer experience? Honestly, no. Obviously, nobody sets out to deliver a bad customer experience. It, apart apart everyone, from Virgin Media. Yeah, apart from them. Yeah. <laughs> everyone sees the value of it, right? You, the, mm. the, the simple premise of you want to make your customer happy and come back, standard. Where most companies fail is genuinely prioritization. It's it's always the case, you know, companies are busy, right? There's a million and one things to do. There's never enough time to do it. There's never enough money to do it. There's never enough skill to do it. And customer experience always tends to fall to the bottom of the list. And this is with most companies that I see. And we know it as customers because we feel it. We feel that experience, but it's, the problem with customer experience is that it sounds all fun and lovely. You know, we're making customers happy and happy, happy, joy, joy, unicorns and magic sprinkles. Actually, what customer experience is in reality is friction hunting. We are the people who come into a business and say, that's a problem, that's a problem, that's a problem, that's a problem, that's a problem. And with that recognition that there are all of these problems and pain points for your customers comes action. You, once you know this, once you see this, you need to do something as a business to prevent it, to stop it, to improve it. And that takes time and effort and money. And you can very quickly see the, the shiny, exciting lights in people's eyes when you come in as a customer experience consultant to help them progress their business. And then that light can slowly diminish when they see the volume of activity that is going to be needed to actually make those improvements. And then when things start to get deprioritized is when actually people aren't seeing the value of the customer experience initiatives. So mm. CX needs significant buy-in. And, and when I say significant buy-in, I don't mean that it needs significant resource because everything that a CX professional is telling you to do should be part of your operational continuous improvement pipeline anyway. You know, it's something that's going to happen. 
but it does it needs buy-in it needs to be prioritized there needs to be accountability and there needs to be that continual change otherwise again you're just listening and you're not acting mm. i suppose in order to get the buying as well from 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 members of the team and from the owners and managers they're gonna need to have some kind of understanding of what impact it's going to have on their business now you you touched upon it earlier how it's difficult to measure success but what um kpis do you put in place what measurements do you actually put in place to show look this is how we're actually going to show that this is working for you as a business so there's loads of the, the kind of the big obvious ones which maybe people will have heard of so net promoter score is a really common one that companies use mm. and if, if anyone hasn't heard of net promoter score you must definitely will have answered the net promoter score question because it is that question how likely on a scale of one to 10 are you to recommend my business to a friend or family? Um, so that's that's a loyalty indicator and that's often done annually. And you know, that that's great, so that's one. But I much prefer things like customer satisfaction. So how satisfied are you? That's typically asked on the back of an interaction. And there's a degree of difficulty to this because depend, if I'm the customer, if I'm having a really bad day, but it was a relatively okay experience, still might not score them very great because the capacity that I'm in. Customer effort score is the one I would most recommend to any business. It apply, it's industry agnostic, so it applies everywhere. And customer effort score is quite simply, how easy was it to interact with my business? Yeah. And the reason it's so important is customer effort is actually know now research proven to be one of the biggest indicators of loyalty so the easier you are to interact with the more likely you are to come back as a customer and if you put that into an example you know maybe the last time you were on hold on a call center for ages and then you've already put your details into an IVR and you speak to an agent and they ask for the same details that you've already put in and then maybe mm-hmm. the agent can't answer your questions so you're on hold again and then you get a feedback request at the end which is just frustrating because you've had a really crappy experience you're like why do i get this so you you can see really clearly how that isn't an easy experience and then the next time i have a problem am i likely to contact the contact center probably not because it was so rubbish the first time around so customer effort score is a great one for any company but i also then it, it started to get more bespoke so i'm a big advocate of ultimately understanding what your customer outcomes are and your business outcomes and then working backwards from there to put in your measures and metrics in place so you know for one company the customer outcome might be something as simple as speed just need to deal with them fast quick pace in which case obviously you would use like an average handling time as some kind of indicator of cx But for another company, the most important thing for the customer might be to feel like a loyal, valued customer, in which case, you know, you you might use something more like MPS. So I'm a big, big fan of bespoke metrics. But if you were going to chuck in a standard one, customer effort score. Hmm. The the customer effort score um, really rang true with me there because there's a particular business. I'm going to name them again. Uh, It's Santander. and whenever I have an issue with with a debit card or a credit card for business accounting with Santander, I think, why would I even bother calling them? There's no point. I just will not deal with it. 
And uh, I've mentioned this to, to other people at Engage Web. I want to move bank accounts from Santander because they are just horrendous. They keep blocking the credit card when I'm making regular purchases, which are exactly the same as the purchases I make every single month. And I know to deal with it, I've got to be on the phone for a good half an hour, go through some automated crap, then speak to at least three different people answering the same goddamn questions over and over again just to get my credit card to work for something that should never have happened in the first place. So I just think I'm not doing it. Yep. I'm not doing it. And maybe they make it like that deliberately so that you just won't bother doing it. Yeah. But it's so frustrating. I will never recommend them. I will never use them. They are horrendous for customer experience. Just horrendous. And there'll be people listening to that going, yep, 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 yep. yep." Whether it's Santander or another company, but that is not an uncommon experience. And it's like what we were talking about earlier with websites, you know, that the not being able to find a number or clicking on a button and it not being clear that you're progressing. That is a perfect example of it not being an easy experience. Whereas on the flip side, when you do get an easy experience, because we're so, uh, it, because we don't expect it anymore as customers, because we're so used to crappy experiences, when it does happen, it, it blows us away. So there's a company called Fit. It's an on-demand fitness application. You know, they started during the pandemic and really great company, really good value for money. Like I'm a, I'm a huge advocate of them. But I was an even bigger advocate when the one time I needed to contact customer service, their actions were fantastic. So basically what happened is I'd renewed my membership, I'd accidentally clicked on the monthly as opposed to the annually, it works out a lot more expensive. So I contacted them and I knew that I could cancel the membership in Apple, you know, the settings myself, and then restart it. And that'd be fine, but I'd be basically paying a month's extra of membership and kind of, you know, it didn't make it as cheap as the annual subscription would be. So I was hoping that they would have a solution. Hmm. Their solution was exactly what I thought it would be. Change settings, cancel it, restart. I was like, okay, fine. It wasn't the best outcome because I was hoping for a little bit more, but I wasn't disappointed. I didn't respond to their chat message, but eight minutes later, unresponsive by myself, they came back onto the chat and said, do you know what? Actually, I'll give you this discount code. (laughs) So cancel your membership, rejoin as we said, but here's 25% off. Now that blew me away because as I say, I wasn't particularly dissatisfied with the experience anyway, but they proactively through no real need and gosh knows what had gone through that customer service advisor's mind but they made it really easy for me to want to stay as a customer they popped me over a code simple chat message happy days so this is such a value in just making it easy for a customer to want to stay with you and easy for them to interact with you and there's there's so little I think there's so little organization value put on that. We take things for granted. You know, we just think that customers are going to come to us, buy our products and services and not really care when actually we all do care. And and as we said before, it just takes two not so great experiences for that care to grow enough to say, bye bye company. I'll try somewhere else. Mm. No, I love that. And the, I've had so many examples of that over the years as well. There was a hosting company we used for websites that used to be really great for customer service. Any problem that you'd have, they would deal with it very quickly. 
they would go above and beyond and, and do things that hosting companies wouldn't normally do. But then they got bought out by a much bigger, well-known national or international company, and they started adopting all of their customer service practices, and mm. it was terrible. Mm. You were waiting hours for a response for something that was urgent. They weren't helping at all. They were sending you templated responses back, so you knew whenever you asked, raised a ticket with them, you knew you were going to get another templated response back that didn't answer the question, and you'd uh. have to explain it again. That is so frustrating. And yes. we ended up moving to another hosting company, which was set up by a lot of the people that used to work for this one before they were bought out, realized how crap it had got, and then went and set up their own business and moved to them. Mm. Lost on customer service, and we went to the new company on customer service. But it's so common. It is. And you just said it, you know, templated responses. Mm. They absolute bane of my experience with working with companies um even just as a customer myself recently i'd contacted um a company what had happened i'd oh i'd sent some items back and had got a refund but the refund was uh, only a partial refund um which i wasn't expecting so I'd messaged the company and their response was, oh, we're well, sorry, your refund hasn't been processed. Like, can you give us proof of postage, et cetera? It's like, no, 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 you haven't read my message. It was clearly a templated response. Mm -hmm. I was telling them that it had been processed. It was just processed incorrectly. Uh, it's just, it's so frustrating because that's an extra step as a customer that I have to take when actually, if that company had have just read and responded properly mm. in the first place, not only would it have saved me time, it probably would have saved them time and money because they're having to spend less customer service advisor resources dealing with a growing unhappy customer. Mm. And the more unhappy your customer gets, the more vocal they get. Absolutely, absolutely. And the more likely that is to escalate. And you, mm. again, as a company, you can see these internal costs building, which goes right back to our conversation at the beginning around how if you practice intentful, deliberate customer experience with design and thought at the beginning, you can avoid all of that and you can optimize your cost efficiencies. Mm. The, the worst example, I'm going to ask you in a moment as well, but the worst example I've seen of customer service is something that just continues to happen. And it's, it's Virgin Media again. Um, when you, if, if you look on Twitter, and I don't know if you're a big Twitter user, but it's, it's a cesspool of toxicity now. So I don't advise anybody go on to it if you haven't been on it before. Um, anybody that becomes a new customer of Virgin Media, they get their, their digital box delivered by Yodel. Mm -hmm. And they constantly take to Twitter because it hasn't arrived when it's supposed to have arrived, because they've been given a slot by Virgin Media, and Yodel doesn't do slots. So it never arrives when it's meant to. So they tweet at Virgin Media and Yodel and saying, you know, my, my Virgin Media box hasn't arrived, I'm a new customer, I'm disgusted, I want to cancel. Virgin Media will always, always respond and say, you need to get in touch with Yodel to find out when it's going to be delivered. Now, I know that's incorrect, because Yodel will not deal with the customer because the customer is not the customer of Yodel. They're the customer of Virgin Media. Virgin Media is the customer of Yodel. So they keep telling customers, go and speak to Yodel about the delivery. The customer goes and speaks to Yodel about the delivery, and Yodel says, we can't help you. You're not our customer. You need to speak to Virgin Media. And you've got these automated messages going back and forth with the customer just getting more and more irate that they're being essentially what, lied to. They are being lied to. And that's their first experience as a new customer with Virgin Media. I don't know why Virgin Media is still going. Jesus Christ, it pisses me <laughs> off. 
But they do that. If you just look on Twitter today. Just put in yodel and virgin as a search term, and you'll see customers being lied to by Virgin Media and getting irate. I don't know why they keep doing it. But that's an example of awful customer experience that continues to happen because, again, there's not a lot of choice. If you live in an area where you can't have a satellite dish, you've got no choice. Although Sky's got this new Sky Glass thing now, which doesn't involve a dish, so that maybe takes that out of the way. But what's the the worst example of customer experience you've seen? Maybe not necessarily that you've worked with as a customer, uh, as a business. But just on that point, though, you know, they have clear insight. As you said, that is all over Twitter. Hmm. Why, why aren't they acting on it? What are they? Who is in charge of that process, and why isn't it being made better? It's the yeah. mind boggles. Every day for years, it's been every single day. You go on it; it's the same stuff. It's how how yeah, that was crazy. Um, and that whole you know passing the accountability from business to business so frustrating. I actually I find the most painful customer experiences are the ones where there is just obvious callousness. So uh, just a, a personal example, again, I and this is hospitality and you know, hospitality, mm. it's a very 50, 50 split between great experiences and naff experiences. In this particular experience, I've been served a drink with a squished up receipt in it. Like just in, in the receipt in the drink in the drink yeah so it was just a glass of water in a restaurant big chunky receipt not like not stuck to the bottom of the glass hidden you know it wasn't like a pepsi that it was all hidden just floating in the top of the water and i saw her put the drink down and then leave and i called her back over and I said, excuse me there's a receipt in my drink so gosh knows, was it a drink of somebody else's table like how i don't know how that happened so there was callousness in the fact that she hadn't even looked for a start. But what was worse was just the complete kind of blase response afterwards of like, oh, I'll go get you another one. Come back. No apology, no explanation. You know, I think, again, our expectations of customers grow. I would have expected, do you know what? I'm really sorry about that. I've knocked you know, 10% off your bill. Something like that. Nothing. So when it when you're that lackluster and you lack thought and you lack care and you've got no desire just to try and recover that experience that is enough for me to never go back to a company again i had a very similar experience with gusto's actually where <laughs> um, we just didn't get the meal at the end like we were literally there for the two hours they kept saying it's coming it's coming it's coming we had a taxi booked got to about five minutes before i was like obviously we're not going to be able to eat our meal now so we're going she came over with 20% discount off the bill. So we haven't eaten our main meals. Okay, we've had a start and we've had a few drinks, but we've come here for a meal which you haven't delivered. I say, I'm not going to be paying any bill. And the, the response was, oh, okay, and I'm really sorry about that. If it was that easy, if she was expecting for me not to pay the bill, why didn't she just comp it in the first place? Again, I'm not saying every company should do that. It's not always the way. But what they would have done if they had have comped the bill is made me think, oh, they care. They care enough about me as a customer and I might go back. Mm. But they didn't and I certainly won't be. So, again, it's it's callous. There's no thought behind it. It's just, ah, you've had a bit of a crappy experience. Say la vie. That's, that's not the way to treat your customers. <laughs> it, it, 
it went with with the example with the drink, for example, and the receipt in it. Was that I mean, was that a waiter or a waitress? And were they say teenagers or were they of an age where they should know better? Absolutely, of an age where they should know better. Absolutely. Wow, I've been to America a lot, and it's strange. The well, it's not strange, I suppose. The customer service in America is phenomenal, phenomenal, because because they get paid less than what we would call minimum wage, and they work pretty much exclusively for tips. Uh, There's some places they don't get paid anything; it's all tips. But obviously, they have a culture where you have to tip. If you don't tip then they'll chase after you. Um, do you think there's something about the way we work in the UK that uh, may, are we paid too much? Do we not care? Are we not incentivized to care? What, what, what is the problem with hospitality in the UK? Go on, solve it now. Actually, there's a, there's a huge conversation around employee experience versus customer experience. But ultimately... You can't have one without the other. Mm-hmm. And if your employees feel undervalued, you know, they don't care, then this is where your customer experience is going to suffer. And in hospitality, you know, it's we, we know that actually it's not a fantastically paid industry, typically speaking. And unless you're in there for desire, career progression, you know, that's your love and passion, Fine, fantastic. But there are a lot of people who work in that industry who are, you know, temporary workers who bounce from location to location. And if that worker, that employee doesn't have a strong connection or care to that organisation, you know, it's just a place that they're going to pay the bill, then that's where you start to see that. But if you, you just need to nurture good employee experience and the better that is the more likely they're going to then care and deliver a good customer experience hmm. i think that's that's good good advice there because my daughter's a student at um john moore's university in liverpool and she does temporary work at uh, hospitality as well so she does some stuff for liverpool football club yeah. other other sports venues around the uk and they, they bust them down sometimes they bust them down to london which is crazy to take people from liverpool to london to work essentially behind a bar don't doesn't london have bar workers but there we go but depending on where she is sometimes the people managing it are really nice and really helpful and really supportive of staff and and sometimes the customers can be what's the best word assholes depending on where they are particularly if it's a always right <laughs> yeah if it's a sports venue where there's a lot of people who are quite pretentious and drink a lot like race courses for example um where they think they're really important and they get absolutely bladdered in the first half an hour and then just throw their cash around so i realize the environment for hospitality can be often very bad for people who work behind bars and, and work serving food so it, it's perhaps it's almost a combative us and them scenario in many cases which can lead to a poor customer experience because there's other customers there that are letting it down for everybody else it can be definitely and and again it, it does come back to knowing what your customers like and want so you know if you're like a i don't know like a beef eater you know you, you're gonna know that your customers want to come in have a pretty cheap and cheerful meal get served quick get out and if you can deliver that, great. Whereas other places, like maybe local pubs, if you're a customer, a frequenter of a local pub, you want to feel 
like a local. You want to be recognised as a person who comes in all the time. If you've got a really high turnover of staff, that local person isn't going to feel like a valued person because mm. a new member of staff's not going to recognise you and say, oh, you know, hi, hi, Dave, nice to meet you. Again. Like, great to see you in here. And you miss that. And it, that's, it comes down again to where you are, what your customers want, what they expect and your ability to deliver on that. And that's a tricky one, of course, because with high turnover, you, can, you can't expect every member of staff to recognise every person who walks through the door. But still, there are companies who deploy really clever techniques to do that, like hotels who have your ID. So when you walk in the door and the very clever concierge setup sees you come through the door, picks it up like looking at your reservations, recognizes your picture. Hi, Mr. Jones, really nice to see you. They mm-hmm. don't see you as Mr. Jones, but their ability to do that quickly and make you feel like, wow, you recognize me. I'm a valued customer. It can be done. It just takes effort. Yeah, well, that, that's true. Even hotels like um, Hilton and even the Holiday Inn do that. If you're a regular member there, then yeah, you've not seen them before, but your information comes up on the screen and yeah. it does make you think, oh, yeah, you know, I am. That's nice. It, it, it is. It it's is a nice. little thing, isn't it? It's a little thing, but it makes you feel better. Yeah. I once went to a hotel and my birthday was coming up. It wasn't, there was no mention of it. It wasn't a special occasion, but she just happened to look at the date of birth and go, oh, it's about in a few weeks. Happy birthday. And that was it. It wasn't like, happy birthday, here's a bottle of Prosecco. You know, mm. It was just happy birthday. And that was just nice enough. Mm. Well, do you know, we're pretty much out of time now. We're pretty much out of time. We've, we've, we've just we've, we've, we've bitched and moaned about companies for a, a good hour, which I like. Um, so if somebody's listening to this and thinking, well, I, I, I really like what you've said, you, not me, really like what you've said, how can I get in touch with you? How can I work with you? What's the best way for someone to do that? Uh, LinkedIn's probably the easiest, or you can go on my website, which is uh, cultivatecustomerexperience.com, and all my contact details are there. And always happy for a quick chat, have a chat about what your needs are. That's fine. Fantastic. I will put those links, um, including to your your Instagram as well and, and various other things that you've got. I'll put them all below the the video on YouTube and below the podcast on, on the podcast channels. That Whoever's listening to this right now, it's, it's just scroll down and all the links are there so you, you can get in touch. So thank, thank you very much for being on this podcast. I've loved it. I, I've loved talking to somebody who, who knows as much about complaining as I do. <laughs> Yeah, I told you, customer experience isn't pretty. <laughs> it's, it's certainly not. It should be, but it's not. Thank oh. you. Thank you very much. Oh, 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 oh.